0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We are this year, 2022, at this point in time, have been encouraging the congregation to enter, and we've been calling it the theme. Now is the time, and we really feel now is the time. There is a sense of urgency to pray, to pray for God to move in our midst, for God to move in our homes, our families, our community. Now is the time. Oh my goodness! Don't we need a move of God in our nation these days? We need a move of God. There has there's there's a lot going on and in this last 2 years there has been a ravaging of a lot of things in regard to the faith and so that is really compelling us why talk about it why you know just well it's there nothing we can do about it i think there is something we can do we can begin to call on the lord collectively so individually yes but collectively as well and so we have been calling the church to let's pray Let's go before God. Let's ask Him, Lord, what's going on? Show us what you are doing. Show us what you want us to do, what you want me to do. Where is there a hindrance or something going on in my life? Maybe in the life of the church. There have been many who have walked away from the faith or who are very confused in the faith right now. And it's been an obstacle for those who maybe aren't followers of Jesus. Why would they want to be people of faith? when it doesn't seem like there's much power in faith. I mean, it, you know, if you're not seeing things happen, why would I want that? Just one more thing to add to my crazy, crazy life or crazy schedule. We're calling the church to pray. And so, Matthew chapter 7, today I wanted to talk on prayer. And this is, this is not a book. This, you won't find these steps that I'm going to be giving you today in any particular. If you do, show me because I'd love to have a copy of it. This is just basically the years of my involvement in ministry and prayer movements. I've been kind of trying to figure out some of these things because I realize prayer is, and I use this expression, I didn't plan to use it last week, prayer is not a Hail Mary. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not being disrespectful to an organization or a denomination. I actually went home and I began to think, well, why did I use that expression? It's one of those expressions I hadn't thought of. But a Hail Mary, actually it's called a Hail Mary pass. It's a football term. And so the Hail Mary pass is basically in desperation. You throw the ball. You really don't have much hope there's going to be any good result from it because you're throwing it into a pack of people and you hope one of your guys catch it. It's a desperate throw. It's called a Hail Mary pass. And sometimes we approach prayer as a Hail Mary pass. In our desperation, I hope something happens, okay? Prayer is so much more. Prayer is not just getting it off your chest. Prayer is not a crutch for the weak. Prayer is not you feeling better because you, you know, wow, you, you let that one go. Prayer is meant to bring results. And prayer can be extremely edifying to the prayer Knowing God answers prayer. God wants us to pray. Some have said, well, God and his sovereignty, it doesn't really matter anyway. Well, it does matter. He over and over calls us to prayer. Jesus, who is our example, the son of God, one of the biggest things that marked his life is he was a person of prayer. You would find him breaking off early, going off, and teaching his disciples how to pray and modeling Prayer. So today I'm gonna I have to dive into this because there's three areas I really want to soak us to soak on. Invite you if you've got something to write with, get your devices out if you have notes on your devices. I do that if I don't have any pencil or paper or anything to write with. These are notes that you probably you can always go back later in the week, it'll be on the website, but it's just probably better to one-time it because I'm gonna share some things I think that are gonna be helpful. I'm gonna talk about intensifying levels of prayer. I'm gonna identify seven. Now, doesn't mean there's not Three or there's not ten. I I've just identified seven. Let's read the scripture I'm going to start with today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask. Jesus is saying this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So, Father in heaven, this morning, just before we begin, we just invite your spirit to help us. Because if you do not reveal these things, we just won't understand it. But help us to understand something from these scriptures we'll be looking at this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And if that's your prayer too, would you say amen? amen? So, let's begin. Levels of intensity. These are intensifying levels of prayer. Again, we just don't want to throw the pass into the crowd. We want to go on a journey in our prayers. I do not want it. The last thing I want to do is to complicate prayer. If you complicate it, no you, people won't pray. But let's not oversimplify it either. So the intensifying levels of prayer, I believe level number one is right there, verse 7, first word, ask. You ask based on your position. If you are a follower of Jesus, and if you're here today, uh, you have not invited Jesus to be your Lord, you've not surrendered your life to His Lordship, then you need to do that, because that really takes you, that's the entryway into this first one where you now are positionally able to ask. As a child of God, you can ask your dad. And you just ask. And and you ask. (laughs) That's not hard. That's the simplest level. I believe that's the first level. Jesus started his three levels off at this first verse here by starting by saying, ask. But secondly, seek. So asking, you can ask anything. You can ask anything. And it's okay to ask anything. But now you want to seek as to what is his will. So I'm not a, a proponent of just saying, oh, God, let your will be done. No, you've done no work in that. You need to discern the will of God. He wants you to know his will, so you will ask according to his will. He says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Well, yeah, I, you know, if I have a VW out here in the parking lot, if I give you the keys to a GM or, or a Ford or something, you're not going to be able to do anything with my VW out there. You have to have the right keys if you're going to get the right response. And likewise, you need to not simply ask, but you need, what is the right key that will actually see answers to prayer? Seeking the Lord. And seeking the Lord, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart, and with all your soul. You will find it. So you seek him as to his will. So I ask, but now I begin to seek him. Lord, what is your will? And not necessarily you're going to just hear an audible voice. Or, you know, a piece of paper going to float down and land on your desk. Frequently as you read the scriptures. And I do this. I do this this morning when I came here to the church. We have a prayer time. I'm just using this as an example. We have a prayer time at 930 here at the church. And... and and I just want to be led of what's the scripture word to share. So when I come to the church at nine o'clock, I just begin to Lord, and I'm praying in my office. Lord, show me what you want what you want said. And I have my Bible open. Show me what you want said. I don't know where it is. Just show me. And I, what am I doing? I'm seeking. Lord, show me. Just and then it might be a song will come to my my a one line will come to my mind uh, or something from the previous week. Or I come across something, and I, and this morning, I, I was, my desire was, Lord, together, pray together. I, that's what I felt, pray together. So I began to look up. Actually, that's where one advantage is of having a, a phone that has internet. So I went on my phone and typed in scripture, quotations, agreeing together. <laughs> Threw up 25 scriptures. I went through, and boom, Romans chapter 5. That was it. And as I read it, it confirmed. What was that? I was seeking. I was seeking with the scriptures, opening up, desiring God. Show me what you what you want to say for the 15 minutes before you all gather here today. That they, the volunteers, that we just are going to hear a sense of direction in this service. Seeking the Lord. Thirdly, knocking. And that is, after you get a sense of direction, then you knock on that door. And Luke chapter 11, verse 5 is a parable Jesus describes what that looks like. If Our friend comes at midnight and asks for some food. He has no food in his pantry, typical to the Middle East people at the time. And so he goes to his neighbor because he knows his neighbor tends to stalk up overnight. He goes at midnight and he bangs, the neighbor's in bed. And the neighbor doesn't want to get out, but the neighbor does come because he knows it's got to be urgent if he came at that time. And that's referring to the knocking. It's that there's an urgency. The door will open if there's an urgency. So ask, seek, knock. The fourth one I want to take you to is fasting. And we've been calling this season a time, encouraging you to fast. We've got guidelines for fasting. We can give that to you. We've been giving it to the congregation. But fasting, Jesus, when he talked to the disciples, he assumed, listen to his conversation. He assumed, Matthew 9, 15, he assumed they fast. Now, they were criticized, you don't fast like John the... Baptist disciples, but Jesus says, you gotta realize my guys are still with me. I'm still with them. But they are people who will fast. And in the early church, it was an assumption of fasting. They were assumed to fast. And it is a spiritual discipline that ought to be throughout our lives. Periods in time of fasting. Not just where you cut from meals, but in those times that you do, you would you will shut yourself in and spend time with God. Fasting can be fasting from things that distract you. It can be things that uh, you could just say, listen, I, I'm, you know, I love doing this all the time. I give a lot of time to it, but I'm just going to pull back a little bit, and I'm going to give what I would do here to the Lord. And so you, you, know, you run off. You might be a golf. You, know, you love the golf course. You, you, know, you golf two or three times a week in the summertime. You might take one of those. So if you're gone golfing for two and a half hours, you might take the two and a half hours and spend with the Lord. You're fasting one of your golfing times in the week. You can fast certain things and spend that time with God. Jesus assumed his followers would fast. Asking, seeking, knocking, fasting. These last three are the ones I really want to highlight today. Level five, I'm calling a prayer burden. Let me describe a prayer burden. The definition I put here is a prayer burden is a spiritual concern on the heart of God that is imparted by his Holy Spirit to someone whose intercession the Holy Spirit desires to use. Let me break this down for you. Number one, the prayer burden is a spiritual concern. This is an unselfish concern from the Lord for a person or a situation. It's not something you've come up with, and it's not necessarily just the need. So we are surrounded by needs, but that might not be the prayer burden. It's a spiritual concern and it's a concern that weighs you down. The person who needs to pray for someone, it weighs you down that you need to pray. You have to step into that. So it starts with a spiritual concern, a prayer burden. The second part of it, a prayer burden is a spiritual concern on the heart of God. The second part, it's God-given. You didn't come up with this. It's not something worked up. You can't work it up in a song. You can't work it up by yelling or screaming or dancing or you know any of that kind of stuff. It's a burden born in the heart of God that he gives to you. Thirdly, a prayer burden is very personal. Others may or may not share your burden. It frequently is yours. So when you receive a prayer burden, we call this prayer burden uh, projection. You think everybody should have the same prayer burden. Now, there are things we need to be burdened for and pray. But a prayer burden given from God, from the heart of God, to you may be yours. And so it becomes very personal. You're to pray. And so when you think everybody's going to have the same sense of urgency, don't be discouraged because they may not have that prayer burden. God gave it to you. He gave it to you. So it's become something very personable, personal for you to respond. Let me give you an illustration of really what a prayer burden is all about. One of the best illustrations is the person of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. If you go to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Now, Nehemiah was cupbearer. His job was cupbearer to the king. That was his job. But we pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 2. The king asked Nehemiah, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing, but here it is. Sadness of heart. What was Nehemiah's sadness of heart? He had a prayer burden. And so he had, his countenance had fallen. He was, he was heavy, heavy in spirit. And the king recognized it. Now you do, typically don't go before the king you know, sad. You're supposed to make the king happy. But he couldn't help it. What was happening? Prayer burden. Given by God, a spiritual concern, from the heart of God to Nehemiah, and it caused him, it was, it was very personal, it caused him to be very sad. And Nehemiah's response is, long live the king. <laughs> it's always a good way to start. Long live the king. But my face is sad because I looked at my city and it's in ruins. He had a burden. Nobody else was sharing it with him. He carried this alone. It was personal. Number four regarding prayer burden. So prayer burden is a spiritual concern given by God that's personal, but it also moves you very deeply. It moves you deeply. Psalms 42.3 says, My tears have been my food day and night. My tears. It often will move you into a very sincere and sometimes expressive tears and, and groanings. It can be a very powerful plea to God. It comes out of your spirit and it's burst. It's deep. I don't know if anybody here has ever seen the movies that came out a few years ago by the Kendrick Brothers, War Room. How many here saw that movie, War Room? It's a great one. Look it up. I don't know how you find it necessarily, um, if it's on Netflix or not, but I uh, invite you to search it and find it if you get a chance. Someone bought it uh, a number of years ago. It's a great movie, I, I, one of the best movies, uh, in my opinion, because it depicts this. When you see... What happens at these points, this is a prayer burden, and they will weep in prayer. It's a heaviness. Somebody who can, and often those who carry prayer burdens can seem depressed at times, but it's not necessarily depression. They're carrying a deep and heavy burden, and they feel they're carrying it oftentimes alone. It's a prayer burden. Number five regarding prayer burden. Prayer burden makes you responsible. You may be the only one to whom the Holy Spirit assigns that prayer burden. You need to rise up, pony up to it, and pray. Prayer burdens. Now, what do you to do with prayer burdens? Let me just think. Okay, so what do we do? You recognize, okay, that must have been a prayer burden. What, what do you do? How to carry a prayer burden? Number one, give immediate attention as possible to the burden. If at all possible, interrupt what you are doing and pray at once for the need God places upon you whenever his Holy Spirit brings it to your mind. Give immediate attention to it. A prayer burn something comes to your mind and just hits heavy on the heart, stop and pray for it. Don't continue life as normal. If you can, if you can, stop. Find the quickest moment to that point to give some time. And it doesn't mean you have to give a half a day or an hour. It might be two or three minutes of prayer for that thing. Somebody or a situation is happening... Awaiting your immediate response to it. There's so many stories I can share on this one. That at that time, God, God flicks another believer over here to pray. Now that believer needs to pray, not at the end of the day or tomorrow. Because this person's about to have an accident. This person's in a, in a dialogue right now, about to lose a job. This marriage is about to, to pull apart right now. Something's happening and God moves someone's heart. It's it's a prayer burden. So when you move, when your heart is stirred, when the thought comes to you, give immediate attention to that prayer burden. Don't miss the opportunity because God's given it to you. Okay? Give immediate attention. Secondly, concentrate primarily on this one burden. It's not the time to pray for everything in your mind. Hone in. Focus on that one prayer burden. And sometimes it begins by, Lord, show me how to pray, and then begin to pray. And He will. The Holy Spirit will begin to show you how to pray. Thirdly, hold on in prayer, listen, until God lifts the burden. So how long do you pray? Here's your guide. The peace of God will guard your heart. There will be a lifting of it. And there's times entering into a prayer burden, it actually gets heavier and heavier. So you stay with it. If you can't give full time there, then you get back to it as soon as possible. You stay with it. How long do you... Some prayer burdens can be just a one-time Many prayer burdens, though, will be over a period of time, and you know when you've prayed through, when it lifts off your heart. God begins to lift it. Or if you see the answer to prayer, if you actually see it yourself. But if you actually don't see it, you don't have means to see what you're praying for, then let the lifting, let his peace be your guide. And when you begin to sense peace in your spirit, you know that you've prayed through, and you're released from that particular prayer burden. Number four, in regard to how do you carry a prayer burden? In prolonged prayer burdens, God may lead you. This is prolonged prayer. So it's, it's going on. It's heavy, 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 heavy. Going on, God may lead you to enlist the prayer of others. Now, I want to come back to this one, about praying collectively, because it's a whole session truly in itself. So before we go on to level number six of prayer, ask, seek, knock, fast, prayer burden. Probably some of you are identifying, going, Pastor, yeah, that was prayer burden. Maybe you have prayer burden right now. And I want you to be alert to prayer burdens that will come. Because now that your awareness is there, you're going to recognize them coming. Oh, I think that's a prayer burden. We talked about that. That's a prayer burden. And it's from God, from his heart, to you, to pray for and to rise up. I want to take you to level number six. It's called, I'm going to call it wrestling in prayer or prayer wrestling. Scriptures seem to depict this level of prevailing, penetrating prayer. It's called wrestling. We see a number of illustrations. Luke 22:44, it says, "Jesus wrestled in prayer in Gethsemane. Colossians 4:12, a Papyrus wrestled in prayer because he saw something regarding the urgency of the hour. He wrestled. Now, prayer burden in wrestling. There is a difference. In the places where you are wrestling, it's depicting an agonizing wrestling. And it actually comes from the Greek Olympic Games. And the picture here of this is two opponents actually in the ring wrestling. That's where it comes. So prayer wrestling is you are in a battle. You are in a battle. Now, this battle is not with a person. Last week we talked of Ephesians 6. Your battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this world. In the air around us, there's principalities. And so you're wrestling in that. And so you enter into this agonizing back and forth. Agonizing back and forth. It's an agonizing. And agonizing prayer is always for a limited time. The difference between prayer burden and prayer wrestling. Prayer burden is a heaviness of concern, but does not necessarily include you into a wrestling. Wrestling prayer is an intense burden that moves into a spiritual battle. It is referenced to a stronghold. You're up against a power that you've got to wrestle in your prayer with. And so you're called to wrestle. So burden, you're just, burden, you get just praying. But wrestling takes it to a different level where there's a back and forth. You know this is bigger than just one situation, than one person or one situation taking place. And, and, and there's this, this agonizing in the wrestling. Uh, you are fighting against principalities and powers. In your prayer, in your prayer, you are fighting against them. And it will continue day after day until... Satan is dislodged from that person or situation. You are engaged in and You continue to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. Prayer burden will lift with the peace of God. Wrestling can go for periods of time longer. Now, I want to take it to the next level, level number seven, because this has to do with uh, Matthew chapter 18. I invite you to read these two verses in Matthew 18, 18. We're going to look at this. And this is the last level. I think these are, these are all prayer burden. Prayer wrestling, and I'm going to call prayer of agreement. Now, you'd wonder, you'd think that would be up near the top. Wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such a heavy one. Oh, it's a heavy one. It's probably one of the most powerful prayers, the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. So let's read it. Matthew 18, 18. Follow with me. Truly Jesus speaking. Truly I tell you. When he starts off like that, he's saying, you better, better write this one down. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19. Again, truly, I tell you. He's linking these two together. That if two of you on earth agree. There's the word agree. About anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I'm I'm bringing these together as one level. Prayer of agreement. Binding. And loosing. I want to start with verse 19, prayer of agreement. And then I'll talk about the binding and loosing. The prayer of agreement. Now, if you're here this morning or, or joining us live this morning and you do not have someone who prays with you, you probably are the majority. You're not alone soon as I begin to talk about prayer of agreement, often there's almost a despair of, I don't have anybody. That's often what happens. And you're not alone. I'm going to probably suggest in this room, you are of the majority, that you don't have somebody you can join together and pray with. Many folk here in the church will go through a given week and not hear anyone through their ears pray for them will not hear anybody pray for you. Now, I feel that's a tragedy. I really do. It breaks my heart. There's probably nothing heavier in my heart, but that will be the majority in this room. I'm going to, and I don't know that for sure, but just from what I've experienced, that is so many people where you don't actually have someone who actually you hear praying for you, just for you to hear them praying for you. You don't get it on TV evangelists. You don't get it on YouTube. You don't get it on those places where they actually put your name and they pray for you. That is a majority. You don't hear anybody holding you up before God on a regular basis. So here's what I'm going to start with. Ask God to send you someone with whom you can agree together. Ask the Lord. This is a good prayer. <laughs> this is the will of God. God. Because he says to come into agreement. Ask the Lord that he would lead you to people. Now, you might not have, he might lead you to a person. He might lead you to a group. It's one of the reasons as a church we establish groups in our church so that if you come to that group, someone is going to pray for you in that group. You're not just going you know, to go through information, but someone's actually going to pray for you in that group. If you have a somebody's going to pray for you to take the time to do that. God will often lead you, but make it your prayer. Make it your prayer. And then be open to Him leading you to a group. I'm just going to say it again. You don't have anybody? Join us on Saturday night, 7 o'clock. We have a prayer Zoom. We did it last night. A group together. We don't spend time necessarily praying for each other, but we come collectively together to pray. Come together to different prayer groups. If you're involved in a small group or a Bible study, that there will be opportunity to pray for one another. Let's start some prayer groups. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Start some groups to pray together so we can just pray together. Ask God. He will show you because this is the heart of God. And when you start agreeing together, you will start to see God answer prayer in ways you would never see if you're by yourself. He will answer prayers to a greater measure, because there's power when there's agreement. And there's a lack of power when there's not. Now, we are to pray. Go into our rooms, close the door. We are to pray. But this is, he's talking, Matthew eighteen eighteen. he's talking of a higher level of prayer that is going to break huge chains of the enemy when we begin to agree together. And this is because the Holy Spirit moves in power when two or three or more are gathered in his name. Prayer power among people. So I'm saying, why not here at Cornerstone? Why not here in our church? If there's any place there should be prayer, it should be the church. It should be in God's house. But I am being encouraged, even in these days, in this last month, since we've called forth, Now's the time. I've seen on a couple of occasions, just when there's been milling about after the service or before the service, there's been two occasions where I've seen somebody, either here or in the foyer, just... I see just a hand on the shoulder. I just see them standing there and their heads are bowed and, and somebody's leading in prayer. I'm saying we need to, see, we need to do that more often. When, somebody, when you learn of a situation, when somebody's job is threatened, when, when their son or their daughter or school or, or they're feeling under the weather, instead of just listening and I'll pray for you. you know, we're amongst friends here. We're amongst family. Maybe, maybe we just take a moment now you can don't pray for all the missionaries. Pray for that one. It might take you fifteen seconds to thirty seconds. Lord, I just pray for Carl. That God, you would help him to find a job as he really has been seeking you, and I just join with him now in believing that this week things will open up for him, in your precious and powerful name. Amen. Now that didn't take long, but if the person was Carl, and that was that one. You've just come into it. And there's something happens in the power of agreement. Prayer agreement. Uh, Amos 3, verse 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? The answer is no. Can two walk together unless they are No. There's prayer agreement. Now let me just say this. I have discovered the biggest battle takes place right there in the prayer of agreement. Honestly. I never saw this come so clearly than a number of years ago, probably about, I don't know, quite a few years ago. I'm not going to name those years. It makes me seem old. But a number of years ago, I was a part of a, a school. It was a school of pastoral nurture. I was going to, down to Jack Hayford Ministries. So a number of years, I went down in a row and we'd spend a week of intensified times with Pastor Jack. And we would go to his church, big church, mega church. Uh, he was retired at the time where I was going down. And... He talked about, he talked to our group, there'd be about 40 to 45 of us in the class, we spend a week together. He talked about his prayer clusters. It's a fairly new concept to me, this back years ago. His prayer clusters that he started years ago in his church, prayer clusters. And what they were was after the worship on Sunday morning, when the worship finished, uh, he or somebody would get up, a leader would get up and they would say, now I invite you to turn to somebody in the seat beside you, behind you, in front of you. Anywhere from the numbers three to five or six. This is kind of what he said. Three to five or six people. And just, if, if there's a prayer request, and then just maybe one or two or three of you just lead out in prayer, we're going to spend the next five or ten minutes doing that. Just introduce yourself and go ahead and do it. That's the instructions. That's what they get. So we were there a few times, and, so we, were in, and we got to see it firsthand. And we're kind of, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of going, oh, shoot, I just want it to slip in, slip out. I did not want to be noticed. I don't want, I don't know anybody, right? That's in my mind. And I guarantee you, when I just said it, it, was in most of your minds too. I really don't want to do this. I just want to come and sit and leave. So we got up because everybody was doing it, right? You know, peer pressure. So we got up, turned around. and Hi, my name is Wayne, Laurie, da-da-da-da-da-da, whoever it is. And uh, then your, that awkward moment. Uh, and then somebody just, I can't remember in the times we did it, if we started or they started it, and somebody just said, I, "You know," and I'm thinking, well, prayer request, prayer request. You know, I haven't gotten any big prayer requests. prayer request, what about my prayer request? While well, I'm in school this week at the School of Pastoral Nurture, I just pray that God will really speak. My prayer requests. I'm in, I'm in school with Pastor Jack. I just really pray God will speak to me this week. I think that was one of my prayers, and that's all it had to be, and then a the number of prayers, and then we, we didn't hang on to hands. We just, you know, we did hands in pockets, hands, whatever, somebody might be doing this. And we just prayed. It took about five minutes. There was very quiet music. You could just hear a buzz in the place, people praying. We sat down. I was thinking, that was really cool. When we were done, I was really glad we did it. Before we did it, I did not want to do it. And they've been doing it for years. And Pastor Jack warned us in our class. He said, now, if you decide to do it in your church, he warned us as pastors. He said, if you do it in your church, be prepared, you're going to face hell. Well, I thought, I can do it. I've been pastoring my church. You know, I... So I went back and I talked to the board about prayer clusters in the church and, and the effectiveness of them. And they were kind of, hmm, you know, kind of like what most of us are feeling right now. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel uncomfortable about it. I don't know if I pray really well. And what about people who don't pray? What about if it's a non-Christian? I don't know if I can trust them. What if somebody prays the wrong thing? You know, all those questions, right? And so we said, you know, we're gonna do it for six months. Gonna do it for six months, and at the end of six months, we'll, we plan to stop it unless there's any reason to go on. So we introduced it to the congregation, and I had virtually zero enthusiasm in the congregation. Zero enthusiasm. And we said, we're going to do prayer clusters. Now, here's the thing I hadn't anticipated. We saw some amazing answers to prayer. People began to know each other, began to carry each other's burdens. Afterward, they're coming up and they're saying, hey, I was praying for your son this week when they were starting out or trying out for the soccer team. How'd they do you know, and, they, and they felt they had friends. They felt they had somebody join them. And so the groups actually began to want to cluster together where they sat. They began to want to reach out to each other more than do your handshake on Sunday morning. They actually went one level deeper and they prayed for each other. And they began to see answers to prayer. Now that was a wonderful thing. We saw that and I heard that almost on a weekly basis as a pastor. That's really what they were about. But here's the other part I hadn't, I hadn't anticipated. When I would announce prayer clusters... 10% of my congregation got up and walked out, 10%. And I remember I saw it the first time, around 10%, I don't know, 5 to 15%, I didn't count. But I just saw, and at first I thought, well, you know, they have to go to the bathroom. And then I saw the same people do it the week after week after week after week. And some, according to my head usher, some were saying, some are getting in their car and driving home. So they come for the worship and they, get, they leave during our prayer clusters and get in their car and drive home. And I realized some of the greatest battles took place in that time. We went for six months, and we canceled it. We canceled it after six months because we felt we weren't prepared to lose those 10%, for right or for wrong, and a decision was made. We saw a lot of answers to prayer during that time. I, here's my point to this. Some of your greatest battles will be around when it comes to agreeing with people in prayer. Be prepared. I saw it. I never would have anticipated that somebody would actually get up and walk out, let alone 10% of the congregation. Like we were seeing 30 people walk out. 10% of the congregation get up and it's just like, why? Well, it's an intense level of prayer. And there were different, we tried to answer some of the problems. We tried to, because some people didn't want to pray. We did talk to them. They didn't want to pray. We said, well, don't pray. They didn't want to give their prayer request. Well, then don't give a prayer request. We actually began to have our elders move around and find people that would be uncomfortable just so that somebody would be there to pray so they didn't have to feel uncomfortable. Here's the point. Agreeing in prayer is a powerful thing. And don't think for a moment the enemy is not going to resist it. Because when we begin to agree in prayer, watch answers intensify in prayer. It's a place of prayer. And Jesus was the one who said, you need to agree, come agree together. Now let me take you to this next part when it comes to prayer where he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me explain this. There's a couple concepts. It doesn't mean you have to always pray those two words. Actually, I encourage you to resist praying those two words. Oh, Lord, I just bind up this in Jesus' name. Well, you can do that, but do you understand what you just said? Or I just loose this in Jesus' name, and then you throw them back and forth. You're not really sure if you're binding or loosing. So let me explain what these words actually mean. Jesus, if he says it, we better look it up. So, binding has these four things to it. It means to bind off, bind up, bind together, and bind contract. Those are the definition of binding. So I'm just going to explain it very uh, as clear as I possibly can. Bind off, number one, bind off. So binding, when Jesus said binding, the first thing is bind off. Bind off, I, I got the first illustration of this is from my grandma Lucas. She knit it. All the time. She was always knitting. Now, Lori also knits, my wife. And so, this is true of those who knit. You can understand this maybe. That when you get to the end of the row, you need to bind off that row. You need to close it. Or, if you don't, what will happen? It will unravel again. Bind off. That's what bind off means. So, bind off is a knitting term for finishing off, tying it up, So there's no unraveling. Now let me use another illustration. I grew up on a farm. We had what we called a uh, bale binder. And a bale binder was a machine. It was pulled behind the tractor. And when bales would go through, we called it binder twine. Bale twine. It would go through. And at the end, when it came to the end of the bale, there's this thing that snipped it and it bounded. And... That and in this, this arm, it goes up. And it was always the arm that broke down all the time. But it goes up and it would tie each one. It, so what happens? It was binding off the line. Why? If you don't, it will just fray back open again. Binding off. So the picture here is when we bind off, we are stopping the unraveling. There's unraveling happening. So when I pray... I'm recognizing and begin to pray. There's a place of when Jesus says you need to bind, there's a place I'm binding off. There's an unraveling. So you're praying, let's use a marriage, a marriage coming apart. And so as you pray, you're binding off that that unraveling would stop. You're praying for a child's rebellion regarding rebelling against the family that's unhealthy. And so you're recognizing it, he, there's causing the family to, to pull apart, you're binding up, you're closing it. In the spirit, you're closing it. Uh, Okay, you have tracking with me. I don't know how long I need to stay on that particular one. Uh, A deal at work that's that's falling apart. Confusion all over the place, okay? Bind off. You're binding off. A business is about to come undone. Binding off. Uh, There can be national binding off. Our country. There's an illustration. Pulling apart. Okay, binding off. God, just bind that off. Uh, That's one aspect of binding. Now, the second aspect of binding is called binding up. Bind up. And this bind up is in reference to bandaging the injured. Uh, so Ezekiel 34, 16 it says, God binds up the broken. The psalmist in Psalms 147, verse 3, says, He will bind up our wounds. So there's the expression. So binding off is a whole different one. Bind up has to do with wounds, it's the bandaging the binding, the bandaging, you are binding up the wounds. So let's go back to marriage. Divorce is always heart-wrenching. And so what happens in divorce it is when you've you ever gone to an animal, maybe your dog, your cat, or some animal, a pet, and they're wounded and you try to help them, often they can be very vicious because of their pain. And so when people, when people can be most vicious, it's not that they're necessarily vicious, they're so wounded. So what we do in prayer, we begin to bind up in prayer before we ever start ministering to them. We begin to bind up their wounds in prayer, so that when we approach them, they can receive the prayer. Okay, so binding up the wounds, we can see that, and 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 the picture is is the wounds are the picture of the wounds is like a, you've probably seen a Animal Planet or something, where a, a lion. Jumps on the top of uh, something that's going to eat, and it will fillet them with its claws. And that filleting is the same word as wounds. And so when we come to one another, people have been filleted, and that's the picture of binding up. They've been filleted. You take a bandage, and in prayer, you begin to bind up their wounds, part of your prayer time. Isn't that cool? I want to talk about bind together. And those of us who've been in the church a long time, we just want to break out in song. Bind us together, Lord. Take the hand of the person. Bind us together with cords that cannot be... Okay, that's bind together. It's the other expression of bind. Being bound together. It comes from Malachi 4, 6. The hearts of the Father will be bound to the hearts of the children. Hearts of the children will be bound to the hearts of the Father. It's the picture of coming together. Daily, you and I live in a world that seeks to divide and destroy... Even in churches, we're seeing this right now. Divide and destroy. Binding together is a series of prayer that will bring back together one heart, one mind, one spirit. When I actually led from Romans 5 this morning, my focus was bind us together. That was my focus. That was my prayer. Number four, binding contract. Binding contract is supplication prayer. Okay, you've heard of the expression, that contract is binding. Binding that's the expression. That contract is binding. So what's binding contract? You are telling the enemy because of what Jesus did on the cross, there's a contract against you enemy and you have no right in this contract. It's a binding contract that God has made. So you get your hands off by his stripes I am healed, right? You bind contract. It's a binding contract. Okay? Trust those will help. That's what he says. Binding up is a little bit more than just, you know, just well, I bind that up, but not in order to know what you're talking about. Now you know what you're talking about. The next part is loosing. And the, very simply, it comes from one word, loosing, L-U-O, is the Greek word, L-U-O. And it's a picture to unbind or to unfasten, to untie. It means to set free. And the picture of it is a picture, there's three pictures. One is a prison door. So in Christ Jesus, He has set you free. When you come to Christ and you give your heart to Him because of what Christ has done for us, by His grace you are saved. Doors unlocked. But the door is still closed. Loosing means you open the door and go through. Too many situations we are still standing. The door is unlocked. He's loosed it. But now you have to, L-U-O, you have to open that door and go through. It is to walk in your liberty. People are still in addictions. You've been set free in Jesus. Any addictions here? You've been set free in Jesus. And many have addictions. You've been set free in Jesus. You need to loose the door. It's already unlocked by your salvation. Now go through it. It's the loosing of it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he may destroy, the work. destroy is the word L-U-O, he may loo the works of the devil. So read it again. For this purpose of God was manifest that Jesus might loose the works of the devil. Loosing. That's why Jesus says you need to loose. So what do you loose? Well, loose is sin's hold. You loose the hold. He's got a hold, and you Let it go. You loose it. Uh, Illustrations. The story of Lazarus. This word was used. Lazarus 11, 38 to 44. You remember the story. You can read it. Jesus calls Lazarus from the grave. He says, come forth. And immediately Lazarus comes forth. He comes out of the grave. He's alive. He came back from the dead. He's alive. Then Jesus says, loose, L-U-O. Loose the grave clothes. That's the same word he used back in Matthew. Loose the grave clothes. What? Take it off. He's free. Now, unweb him. It comes from the expression of webbed feet, where your feet are webbed and you can't run. So, Luo, loose him. He's already free, but loose him so he can be set at liberty now. He's free. He now, he now needs to walk in liberty. Loosen. him. Two other expressions that describe it, It's called fish hooks and fiery darts. Fish hooks, number one, fish hooks. The picture is, is, if you've gone fishing, you catch a fish, the fish, you know, you begin to reel the fish in. When we are lost in our sins, before coming to Christ, the enemy has us. He's reeled us. He's, we're his. We are on the way to death. But through Christ Jesus and our salvation, he cuts the line. But frequently the hook is still there. The hook is the part you have to lose. Get rid of the hook or it continues to be a problem. Another one is fiery darts. The picture of fiery darts. So we are free in the Lord, but the dart's still there. Now we are not necessarily, we are not, the enemy doesn't own us because we're in Christ. Those who are in Christ are free indeed. But the liberty, the loosing is, there's still, he's still got an advantage to us. There's still something there. You got to get that out. And sometimes these are in, in areas of our, areas of sin, areas of personality, attitude issues, Areas of, of bad doctrine that you got to be loosed from, you gotta be, you got to get the dirt out it, that you loose. So, that was a lot to give you this morning. That's why we needed notes. But I trust that you see the intensifying levels of prayer. It's not a Hail Mary. Hope you catch it, God. No, there is a journey, an intentional journey. And as we enter into this as a church, God is doing amazing things. He's already begun. But he is going to do greater things in the days to come. As we move into the intensifying levels of what God has called his church to. Ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Fast, it prepares you to the urgency of it. You become, you become distanced from the world's devices and more in tune with God. Then, prayer burden. Prayer burden. Recognize the prayer burden. And be responsible for that prayer burden. That's for you to carry from the heart of God. But in prayer wrestling, you're in a battle, agonizing, intensifying. Battle it out. And there's not every song is, you know, you know, just hands up soaking and seeking. There are battle songs. You need to enter into that battle, it's war. You stand, you take your place, and you say, you know, enemy, you will not win. You will not have this. And it's a battle because you're wrestling in prayer, a battle. But in that battle, don't be afraid as it goes on. You need to bring in prayer of agreement. We need each other. We need each other more now than ever, I believe, more now than ever in 2022, the prayers of one another. We need to solicit that. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. I call you. Don't go it alone. Begin to unite, begin to pray together. When a need comes, pray, join, agree together. Bind up, or bind prayer binding. Bind off, bind up, bind together, bind contract, do it. And loose where the enemy still has his hook in. Loose that, let it go. See God at work, amen.